here we go. All right, so welcome, welcome to another fantastic episode of My Orgasmic Life. And today, I'm your host, if you don't know who I am, I'm your hostess with the mostest, Gaia Morissette, holistic sexual wellness specialist. And I have this fantastic, fantastic co-host today. We're going to have a really good, juicy conversation about sex and disabilities. So I'm going to let her introduce herself um, because I'm horrible with names. <laughs> so you have the floor. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm very happy uh, that you invited me. Um, my name is Ödjektvik, uh, which is a difficult name for non-Norwegians to say. Um, Hopefully you've written it somewhere so people can uh, search for me if they want to. Uh, all, I'm a, all of your stuff will be in the show notes. Yeah. Everybody will be able to find out how they can spend more time with you. Great. Uh, and I'm a social worker and I have a further education in sexology and disabilities from the University Oslo Mets in Oslo. Nice. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's get into our conversation. This, when I say sex and disabilities, what does that, what does that mean for you? Um, disabilities uh, are different. You have intellectual, intellectual disabilities and you have physical disabilities and about 15% of the population are disabled. Mm -hmm. uh, so there are a lot more people who are disabled than people usually think about. Um, and being disabled uh, comes with uh, its own uh, challenges with sexuality and the first one is that people think that people with disabilities do not have sex or they don't want sex uh, and I think that's sort of a horrible prejudice to have because everyone uh, has a sexuality and everyone has a right to express their sexuality and get to know their sexuality um, it's a human right mm -hmm. and um, I think that that's the first thing I sort of want people to know that. <laughs> uh, and of course, um, if the disabilities are physical or intellectual or both comes with sort of its own set of um, challenges, because I know that a lot of people who have physical disabilities, if they ask their doctor, for example, for practical advice, what sort of positions uh, would be good for my sort of disability, um, if they have any recommendations, they haven't really learned much about it in med school. Mm -hmm. And um, my experience with doctors is that they sometimes uh, won't admit to not knowing any, something. So they will just sort of avoid the question. And speaking about sexuality is a taboo in itself. And especially uh, with people with disabilities. And I think that's uh, really unnecessary mm -hmm. um, I... and I think it's sad because um, sort of reaching this uh, asking your doctor is sort of a big step and then maybe not getting an answer or just getting sort of brushed off well why are you asking about that do you even have sex would, would be um, sort of traumatizing oh incredibly and yeah, and people with intellectual disabilities, uh, especially, often don't get a sex education in school because they're um, sometimes not in a class with uh, a lot of other students. Mm 
-hmm. And um, the same thing happens. People think that they don't want to have sex or they won't have sex. So uh, why should they learn about it? Uh, But yeah, of course they should. Mm -hmm. So I want to say, so for me, um, you know, years ago um, when I owned my pottery and drumming teaching studio um, before I became a holistic sexual wellness specialist, I did a lot of work with special needs and in all different capacities. And this gave me this really beautiful insight. So I personally, I'm not a big fan of the word or the language disability as if there's a a lacking, right? I, I like to, I either call, you know, people that have special needs or they're, differently abled right it's like this big piece around how we see the world and and what i found in all those years with working with special needs is that pretty much every one of us has a special need every one of us has different challenges that we have to experience in life and and so you know I love when I get to work with my, you know, especially around sexuality. Um, I love when I get to work with people that have all these different needs and how can we meet those needs? You know, how can we sexually meet Mm -hmm. those needs, pleasure to meet those needs, physically meet those needs? How do we meet those needs versus it being like there's something wrong with or that you're less than or that you're different than the rest of society. So you shouldn't be allowed to be a sexual being and you shouldn't be allowed to experience pleasure. And, you know, I saw a lot of that when I worked at um, the different group homes and it was heartbreaking, you know, it was so heartbreaking that the, the staff, the staff who work day daily were not comfortable one with sexuality period. And then two with the idea of being able to express pleasure or enjoy sensations in, in, in people's bodies and, and even relationships. There were these two beautiful guys who were in love with each other. Like they really, they were, they were in a relationship. They loved each other. And if they were out anywhere else, they would have been recognized as having this deep loving relationship. But because they had disabilities, because they were at a group home, they didn't believe that, that they actually were able to have a relationship. And when one got sick and was in the hospital, they wouldn't allow basically his, his spouse, fundamentally is what the relationship intensity was, wouldn't even allow him to go see him. And so mm-hmm. I think we really, I think that piece around that prejudice, that oppression, that um, judgment, whatever we want to call it, um, I think we need to take a moment to really kind of lean into that and talk a little bit about that. Like, mm. why do we think that people with special needs don't have, aren't sexual beings? Like, where do you think that that comes from? And why do you think that makes the average person uncomfortable? <laughs> I think it sort of comes from the taboo of sexuality in itself. And I think it comes from script theory, that everyone has a sort of script in your head when you hear uh, like the word sex, a lot of people will imagine a heterosexual cisgendered uh, couple that do not have uh, a disability, um, that are white, that are, yeah, all of these things. And that's what sex is. Um, and it's penis in vagina, yeah, all of it. And you don't imagine someone who is disabled, you don't imagine two people who are disabled. Um, and if you do, 
you will imagine that they are straight, that they are cisgendered, and that they have vanilla sex. But yes. a lot of people who are disabled um, are gay or are trans or are as many as in the rest of the population. And it's really sad that they become a sort of minority in the minority and are not seen um, at all. And if they are seen, people will react differently than if they were um, differently abled, which I think is, is so sad. And I think that, first of all, people have to recognize their own prejudice. Uh, a lot of us have them. And I think that we can't get rid of them unless we actually recognize them and start working with them. And um, okay, so that's a really good con that that's a really good conversation right there around you know how do we how do we recognize our our prejudice because this is the thing is that most of us don't acknowledge that we have prejudice. <laughs> So how do we lean into that? Like, how do we really kind of start to say, oh, yeah, there is prejudice here. There is judgment here. There is, you know, this piece. How would you, do you have any suggestions on, like, for the audience who's listening right now? Like, how do we take a moment to look at our own judgments, our own prejudice, without making ourselves wrong? And I think that's the piece of why so many people don't, um, want to look at it because if they were to look at it, then they could feel, then they need to, then there's a whole story. Like you talked about these stories, right? There's this whole story that they have to, that makes them wrong. That makes them a horrible person. They don't want to be a horrible person, but all of that hiding, preventing us from leaning into that moment is preventing us from really being able to see people for who they are and where they're at and, and meet everybody and see everybody as potential sexual beings and open and yeah. stuff. So you got any suggestions around that? I think uh, the first thing is if you have the opportunity to get to know people, lots of different people who are um, differently abled and um, in Norwegian, the direct translation would be different um, differences in functionality uh, mm -hmm. sort of people are different, not better or worse, just different. Mm -hmm. um, and ask them, what do you like? What do you think about? What are your dreams? What are your aspirations? And a lot of them will say that they want a girlfriend or a boyfriend or someone to love. Uh, maybe they're polyamorous and want uh, several partners. Um, maybe they want children. Uh, and I think that that helps to remove a lot of prejudice, to actually let people tell you in their own words what they think about, what they want. Mm -hmm. And also giving uh, them the opportunity to talk about sexuality, which they often don't have. Because as you say, a lot of people who work uh, with people who have disabilities um, are not good at talking about sexuality, are not open themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of it uh, comes back to uh, script theory. And I think that a lot of it comes back to not knowing enough. You feel like you can't talk about it because someone might ask you a question that you don't know the answer to. But you can try to figure it out together. You can uh, sit with someone at work and, and try to uh, Google it or find good resources uh, because you can help them find credible sort of 
things to read and uh, not not learning from porn, for example. Um, and I think yeah. that okay. Yeah. Let's just take a moment for a second. Yeah. Everybody who is watching or listening, okay, this is a very important statement. Porn is not real. It is not <laughs> the source of sexual education on any level. It's entertainment. Think about it like this. If you watched a, a hospital show and they were, show, they were doing open heart surgery, would you then say, oh, I now can do open heart surgery because it was on this hospital <laughs> show. No, porn is the same thing. Porn can be used for great enjoyments and stimulations, but do not look at it as your education source. Okay. Sorry, I just yeah. had to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that um, uh, I've seen uh, people who, especially people who have intellectual disabilities, uh, Google things like boobs or, and then immediately they will get porn and they will watch porn and they won't understand it necessarily. Some of mm -hmm. them uh, are, of course, um, have a sort of high level of functioning some do not and it might be difficult for them to interpret what they see um and i think that if you start with consent sort of um everyone uh, should know how to masturbate mm -hmm. uh, in norway i wouldn't be allowed to assist someone but i can talk to them about it i can uh, um yeah it's, it's okay to have a conversation about it um I could even go shopping for a sex toy with someone I work with. Uh, I would probably um, mention something to my boss first, just to avoid misunderstandings. But uh, <laughs> since I work with this sort of thing, that would probably yeah. be okay. Yeah. Um, and I think that then you can start talking about sex with other people. Uh, yeah. And I think that part of the problem is that people family members or someone a friend uh are always asking do you have a boyfriend do you have a girlfriend if they are seen with someone of the opposite sex it's like immediately are you in love like uh -huh. you do with children uh, -huh. uh sometimes with adults too but mostly with <laughs> children sort of uh which but no one uh, maybe no one has explained to them what is a girlfriend or a boyfriend what do you do with a girlfriend and a boyfriend uh -huh. um how do you ask for a kiss or or should you just sort of go for it and i think that um when someone might google girlfriend boyfriend whatever um they won't get the best sort of advice so it's important to have someone uh, that they can talk to and I know that a lot of parents get very involved in sort of the uh, talking about sex with their children, which is fine. P parents should really talk a lot about sex with their children. Yeah. But there comes a time when children want to sort of um, emancipate themselves or sort of from their parents and, and really become more independent. And I think that parents who have children with disabilities might feel like it's even more difficult than other parents to just let them go and trust that they will get answers to their questions somewhere else. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that, yeah. And that's a, and again, that I think that, you know, I've had, I've had a couple of really different experiences with that as what I do for a living, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I had a mom whose daughter had, uh, you know, autism and her boyfriend had autism and they were like excited about, you know, being together in their relationship and development. And the mom called me and said, Hey, can you help them? Can you coach them? Can you give them the sexual skills that they need? Right. And I was like, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> yes. Send them over. Right. And it was, it was awesome, right? We went through the whole, the whole thing about love and relationships and communication and sexual skill building and the whole thing, right? And, and then they were like super excited and they went and got married and they, you know, when they finally had sex, I got an email, you know, like they were just so awesome, yeah. right? Like it was awesome, right? It was this awesome, yeah, that's right? Without any kind of shame or guilt or any of that kind of stuff. So that was one beautiful experience. And then recently I've had a client who has autism and was exploring, starting to wanting to explore dating and relationships and kink and BDSM. Mm. So he reached out to me and we started working together and it was going great and things were going fantastic. And then his mother, he decided he was going to come. He wanted to talk to his mom about how, you know, this is, you know, important to me and this is what I'm learning and I'm super excited about developing who I am. And his mom freaked mm. out and shut it all down and vilified, you know, me and anybody else who was talking to him about sexuality. And, and, and it was like because of her own fears and her own triggers, and, yeah, and so it's, sad. which is so sad, yeah. you know, and I think that, you know, I think that's really important is like, you know, finding the right support and letting go and, and letting, you know, and mm -hmm. that whether you're, whether your child has disabilities or not, I mean, this is a, mm -hmm. a good life lesson across the board about parenting, but I mean, I think that it's really important to find the support systems with the people that can give that education like you were talking about sitting down and saying okay let's talk about you know masturbation and how you know mm -hmm. what that relationship's like and let's talk about consent and here let's go buy some sex toys and like giving that skills and those knowledge so that people are armed to make the ch their own choices whatever level they're on in their functionality yeah. that that they can express and be a safe consensual and not shamed for being mm -hmm. a sexual being and i think that um one of the sort of some parents will never see their children as adults and i think that if you have a child that has needed a bit of extra help uh, then that transition might be even more difficult but yeah. that's sort of um that's not their problem <laughs> uh, that that means that the parents really have to work on themselves Yes. Um, and see sort of that their children are adults, even yeah. though, yeah, <laughs> they might not, not feel that way. Um, and I think that one of the great things about uh, our healthcare system is that you can um, go to your doctor and apply for uh, sexual AIDS. Uh, so you can get a penis pump or a vibrator or a dilator set, whatever you need. Um, I even know 
about a woman who got, um, I don't remember what they're called, but it's sort of a pillow that you sit on and you can put a vibrator into it. Uh, because her arms were quite short, mm. so she couldn't reach. And so uh, she talked to her doctor and he wrote her sort of a prescription uh, for one of those pillows. So she can sit on it and masturbate without having anyone help her, which is great. It gives her a lot of liberty. Yeah. I don't don't know if we have that here in Canada. I'm going to have to go do some research. I don't know if that's, if we have that here. Yeah. And even here in Norway, we, uh, a lot of people don't know that we have it. Even some doctors don't know that we have it. So patients have to sort of really, um, and I, I think that people shouldn't really have to know the details <laughs> of, uh, so we're trying to, um, inform more people about this and the healthcare workers everywhere so that they, when they see the need, um, they can tell their, um, the people they work with that they should see their doctor or, uh, NOV, um, sort of an office, um, to apply for a sexual aid. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. I'm going to have to go do research, find out if we have that here. But of course, uh, a lot of people can buy their own things. And that's, that's also great because then you have a larger selection um, and you can get exactly what you want. Mm-hmm. Mm. So what would you, what would your suggestion be to, again, um, support, Let's, let's, let's break it down into two sections. So what would your suggestion be to the support care, right? The caretakers on how to move around, how to start moving in this direction of mindset shifting and, you know, being able to support the people that have disabilities in their lives. What would your, your suggestion be? I think first of all, um, know something, get, get sort of educated. And uh, everyone doesn't have to know as much, but you at least have to know where you can find answers Mm -hmm. um, when you get questions. And then when you have colleagues um, that have sort of sexology or whatever, or further education or experience with those kinds of questions, then use us, uh, ask Mm -hmm. us, uh, invite us. Um, I've given a sort of talk, uh, at my place of work. I work with people with disabilities. Um, and, uh, a lot of my colleagues have been asking me follow-up questions in the weeks after. I think that's great. Uh, and I know that people have started talking to, uh, the people they work with, uh, in different places, people I, I know, but don't work with also, because when you sort of, uh, make them aware <laughs> of being sex positive and being sort of this, this is our responsibility. A lot of people mm-hmm. haven't gotten the sex education that is a, a right. Mm-hmm. We have to sort of um, make it work. So first of all, sort of get the knowledge or at least find someone who can help you. Uh, and then just, just ask and, and make sure that the, your clients know that this is a topic that you can talk about. It's a safe space. Um, and that, yeah, it's okay. And 
they might not ask question or have something to say the first time or even the second time you, you sort of mention the topic. But we know that a lot of times something will come up and then they know that they can talk to you and it's okay. Mm -hmm. I think that's, yeah, important. Beautiful. And what would your suggestion be to people that have disabilities on how do they start to their evolution, their sexual evolution? Where do they start? Make yourself be heard. I know that it can be difficult to talk about sex uh, and it's difficult to know who sort of to trust, but people who work um, with people in any sort of respect should be able to talk about sex. And if they can't, then you should even go to their leader or whatever and say that this is a need that I have. Um, I need to be able to talk to someone about it and then um, use the resources you have. Um, if you can read and get you an, an, an education yourself, that's great. Uh, if you have to ask your doctor, do that. If you have to ask um, sort of uh, friends or family around you, just try to sort of reach out. And then um, I would encourage them to sort of get to know their body and concentrate on what it can do because a lot of people get very caught up in what it can't do uh -huh. if there is something that they feel like they can't do but none, none of us can do everything uh -uh. and it's not like um, everyone has sex like Cirque du Soleil sort of performers uh, it's not <laughs> realistic <laughs> so uh, try to sort of expand on, on what you do know and what you can do um, and um, yeah. And I love that, which, you know, I want to add to is that, you know, sex is about pleasure and experiencing pleasure and all the different pleasure possibilities. And there's so many more pleasure, more pleasure possibilities than just genital. Mm. And there's so many different ways in which we can experience pleasure throughout our whole entire bodies. And, you know, making the first priority of getting to know your body, what you like, what you don't like, what turns you on, what doesn't turn you on, like expanding mm. and exploring and building that sexual relationship, this pleasure relationship with yourself is this amazing way in which you can start this process. And whether you have disabilities, special needs, or for the rest of us, all of us, like every single one of us, this concept of building this relationship with yourself and moving from this goal-oriented orgasm focus into just giving and receiving pleasure and pleasure has, we have sensory pleasure, we have emotional pleasure, we have orgasmic pleasure. There's so many layers to all the different types of pleasure possibilities. And that I think really is at the end of the day of what makes us a sexual being, is our ability to experience pleasure and our ability to express pleasure. And if we are, deny that to ourselves or others deny us that, I think that's where we feel this emptiness and almost this death inside you know that mm -hmm. there's like this disconnect from a part of 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 joy of being alive and that's that pleasure and we each each person deserves it's like it's a human right to be able to experience and express 
pleasure. Yeah. And if, if someone has difficulty uh, at the job who is a sort of healthcare professional or a carer, uh, I would recommend sort of going the routes of, you know, that if um, our clients get to express their sexuality, then probably uh, there will be less violence. There will be less sort of, um, um, yeah, um, I don't remember the word for it in English, but um, a lot of people have um, experienced uh, clients who sort of seem aggressive, uh-huh. but they might just be frustrated. Um, so if you have to go down that route to sort of get the attention uh, on sexuality that it deserves, which is sort of sad, then do it because <laughs> anyway, it's sort of, um, yeah, better well, than and, nothing. Yeah. And that's a great, I mean, even that piece there that you just brought together is so fantastic because, you know, how often do we see somebody who's miserable and grumpy and mm. we're like, oh, they totally need to get laid. Like, they totally yeah. <laughs> And when we see people who are engaging and having a healthy, happy sex life, you can see they got a little spring in their step, there's more joy, there's more happiness, they tend to be more zen and more patient and more relaxed, like there's all these things that happen, right? So yeah. if you've been denied that your own, denied pleasure completely, that is going to build up into a place of frustration, which eventually is going to build up in violent potentially violent outbursts yeah and sometimes uh you won't even know what you have been denied until someone teaches it to you or someone tells you yeah uh, and tries to sort of uh, bring awareness to um yeah getting to know your own body and uh possibly having an orgasm and i think that's a very important release physically and mentally and everything like you say it's a very important part of our lives Mm -hmm. and um i wouldn't want anyone to be sort of denied that Mm -mm. Mm -mm. and i think that sometimes um destructive behavior like people trying to touch cares or trying to uh, harass someone might be reaching out for a connection and if they only are told no and possibly punished every time that happens you will never sort of get to the root. Of course, you can't um, accept that people are harassed at work, but it might be um, a sign of frustration and the behavior might go away if they get a release. And I think that's so important to, to be aware of. But of course, the most important thing is for the person themselves uh, that they have a right to, the, to exploring their sexuality. Uh, and even if some carers might be uncomfortable with talking about the subject or yeah then you should try to uh, give them some privacy some information and then yeah that might be difficult for us as well you might not want to leave a client alone (laughs) but you can try for a minute or two in the beginning and then sort of uh, develop trust And if people have difficulties uh, expressing what they want, then okay, you just have to spend a little more time uh, trying to figure out what would be good for them. 
and also respect uh, their wishes because a lot of people who have physical disabilities um, are very frustrated because people won't respect their wishes. Mm-hmm. Um, like if they ask for privacy with uh, a partner, uh, the carers will sort of be, why? Why? But everyone has a right to privacy. And um, everyone should know about, for example, birth control and all of, all of the sex ed education that everyone has. I think that that's sort of also a sign that we don't talk about it enough. We're not sure that our clients know what they need to know when we don't trust them with their mm-hmm. own bodies. And that's mm-hmm. not okay. No. No. So, all right. What do we, what's the, the to, to close up our wonderful, awesome conversation, our show today, what was one thing that you would want everybody who's listening to take away? Oh, wow. Um, I think sort of the point that sex is not a dirty word and we all all have to sort of talk about sexuality. We all should be sex positive. And I think that also delving into more sort of detailed things like, um, I wonder why it seems like there are more autistic people who are into BDSM uh, than non-autistic people, because uh, that certainly seems to be the case. And I think that some part of the reason is that autistic people are often um, they have a, a different sensation of pain. Mm-hmm. Many of them feel less pain or feel it differently uh, than others, so that they need more powerful stimulation to get themselves off. And that results in some people um, hurting them, themselves when they're masturbating. And then if they can get into BDSM with a lot of focus on consent and being safe, sane, Um, that's that's great yeah then you can eliminate the sort of self-harm aspect and then they can do it in a healthy way people are so worried when people uh, veer off from the script that i talked about earlier and i think we shouldn't be so worried uh, (laughs) about it because (laughs) um, if it's not your thing then fine they're the ones that want to do it and should be able to explore their, their sexuality in that way Mm-hmm. Mm. beautiful and thing i would like to leave our audience with is you know that piece around we're going to come back to knowing knowing your body and mm. allowing yourself to explore your body and that's crucial and important but the other thing for everybody who's listening whether you're a caretaker whether you have disabilities, whether you have neither, you're, you're in neither one of those categories, I want you to look at what stories are you telling yourself about sexuality? Let's like, let's, let's really go in there, right? Let's rip off the Band-Aid and let's have an honest look and examination to this piece around what is your script? What do you believe is possible? Who's allowed in your mind? Who's allowed to have sex? Who's not allowed to have sex? What do they look like? What do they not look like? Really dive into what it is that you believe. So once you understand what your belief is, 
then you can actually release it, let go of it, change it, move it, shift it, mm -hmm. so that we can actually then say, oh, there's all these possibilities. Everybody is allowed to have sex. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> is allowed to have a pleasure. We can all do it in very different ways. All the possibilities. So that's my that's what I want to leave everybody with is that piece around, you know what? Let's have an honest look at what we are believing so that we can shift out of that and make space for those possibilities. Because not only are you not allowing other people to have those possibilities around you, mm -hmm. you're also denying all of those possibilities that you could have as well. Very true. All right. How can people get more of you? How can people spend more time with you? Uh, you can uh, find my uh, Facebook page uh, at uh, Snakum Sexualitet. Um, I'm sure it will be written out somewhere. Yes. Uh, and you can also search for my name, both on Facebook and on Instagram. I have a private Facebook page uh, where I uh, share some news about sexuality. And I also have a professional uh, Facebook page where I share a lot more. Um, so it depends on sort of how much... <laughs> How much sex do you want <laughs> on your, <laughs> in your monitor? Yeah. Awesome. And is there, do you do, do you do private coaching? Do you do, do you work with people? Like how? I'm uh, going to start my edu education as a um, sexologist uh, on April 2nd. And then I uh, will be taking on trial clients, uh, okay. like uh, sort of practicing. Mm -hmm. uh, during my studies so yeah I'm available for private uh, sort of uh, advice and and coaching and um, I also give uh, talks yeah especially about BDSM and fetishism and polyamory but also sex and and uh, disabilities and other topics so mm -hmm. yes so you want to spend more time with her <laughs> <laughs> all right so Let's round, close up the show. First of all, thank you for being here. It was a great conversation. I loved it. We ha I thank had, you so much for having me. You're welcome. Um, and for the audience that are listening, thank you for all the wonderful, the ones who are live with us right now, for all the loves and the comments and the support. You know, you guys are incredible. And all the audience that are going to be listening to us later, <laughs> we love you too. <laughs> You're all so fantastic and awesome. <laughs> you can, if you want more of me, you can get more of me at succulentliving.com. And for all your BDSM and kinky education and needs, you can find me at EmpressGaia.com. And you can follow me on social media under Gaia Morissette and Empress Gaia. And don't forget to listen to the My Orgasmic Life podcast, which can be found on all of the platforms. And I have my own app now. So you can download it on your phone and you'll never miss an episode about me <laughs> from Google Play Store. All right, that's it. That's all. And we love you until the next time. Mwah. Have a juicy day. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, wrong button. <laughs>